It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Line, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts and Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. A lot to cover. Lake reports from Winnie, Leach, Mille Lacs, and the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Tony Roach will drop by. He'll talk about uh, some walleye tactics that's working for him, as well as his trip out to Montana. And the new Minnesota deer regs are out for this year. Eric Thorson with the Minnesota DNR will come by to chat about that. Plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field Report, brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleyes, or bass, Oars and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite the next time you're in the Cuyuna area. Oars and Mine, a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off with our local report. As always, Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League joins us. And uh, Ray keeping a very close eye on not only the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, but Leech Lake as well, and also Winnie. And I guess, Ray, that's where we'll start up on Winnie. What have you been hearing up there? Well, you know, it's true. It's fair to say that we're in the dog days of summer. Uh, a lot of hot days, a lot of days with really not much breeze, and a lot of days without even any cloud cover. So it, it, it's tended to make fishing, I think, a lot tougher during the daytime hours. Uh, I talked with uh, Kim up at High Banks uh, just today, and uh, she said that a father and son went out uh, last night and caught 12 walleyes in three hours, and uh, they were using crawlers, and so that was a good, pretty good evening. Uh, it was late evening, not dark, though. And uh, otherwise, she said uh, most of the people that are coming up now are tubing and water skiing and getting in the water because the water's temperature is uh, 78, 79 degrees, and the uh, air temperature, of course, has been 83, 85, 89, 90, so a lot more activity on the water than just fishing. Uh, there is also uh, another week or so until the 25th of August. Uh, remember, any group that wants to go, I think they still have one more cabin open. If you uh, are a veteran and you want to go spend a few days at High Banks, you can get into that cabin for half price, which is a good deal. So it's been spotty. Uh, I think everything's slowing down a little bit. Uh, leeches are getting a little harder to come by. Uh, I, I don't know exactly all the reasons why, but our temperature is certainly part of it. When it gets really, really hot, it gets harder to get leeches. And uh, I think crawler is your probably your best bet right now if you're going to go for walleyes. I know some guys that uh, were buying red-tailed chubs, and uh, red-tailed chubs are great, but this time of the year when you take uh, red-tailed chubs out of cold water and you drop them into a lake with 79, 78-degree water temperature, in about two minutes they're dead. So at $18 a dozen, that's... Um, pretty expensive way to go fishing. I, I'd really recommend people start using crawlers if you're going after walleyes. Uh, I was fishing this morning on the whitefish chain. Didn't do very well there, frankly. Uh, but we did use crawlers, and we were we caught a, a couple small ones, but it wasn't very a very good day. But 
crawlers and spinners, you cover a lot of ground, uh, 18 to 22 feet on the most lakes. On Winnie, it's been 18 to 20, 22 feet. That's where people have been catching the fish. And on uh, the whitefish chain, it's been in that 18 to 20, 23 feet of water, too. And then jumping down to um, Leech Lake, uh, it's, I think it's just fair to say that it's kind of a mystery why people aren't catching more fish on leech, and not just because of right now. But over the last three or four weeks, the average person is just not catching many fish. I did talk to Jack Shriver from Shriver's Bait uh, this morning, and he had uh, some uh, two or three real good mornings where he was catching uh, walleyes in uh, fairly shallow water uh, on bobbers, uh, slip bobbers and leeches. But he's kind of run out, and he owns a bait shop. He's kind of run out of the big leeches, too. And so now it's been a little bit tougher for him as well. Uh, but he's... He and one of the other guides out of uh, Shrivers, I think, have been doing okay in the mornings. The afternoons haven't been very good. The mornings have been okay, and they've been doing a uh, combination of pulling crawlers uh, with spinners and with slip bobbers and leeches. And then the, the musky bite is still uh, okay on leech. Uh, Jack Shriver, senior friend of mine, who Jack's junior's uh, dad, has been uh, he's fishing, and he's, I think he caught one this morning. And um, as we, you and I were talking off air, people are a little concerned when that water temperature gets up in that 79, 80 degrees. That's hard on muskies, especially on bigger muskies. Uh, the quicker you can just release them, and ideally if you can just release them in the water, it is going to be so much better for the fish than to pull them in the boat and try to take pictures and throw them back. It's going to be tough for those fish to survive that. So uh, slow, although there have been few few fish being caught, uh, and then jumping down to the Brainerd area, uh, there's been a couple of days on the whitefish chain where it hasn't been too bad, and then there's been some days like today where I think there were 15 boats on upper whitefish chain, and by 10.30 they were all gone. Everybody packed up and went home because the bite just wasn't there today. And then uh, the bass bite in the area is still good. Um, I was talking with Royal Carrolls, who I fish with quite often, and Royal is one of the premier bass fisherman in the area, in my view, and he has downsized his plastic worms to four-inch worms. He's using four-inch worms with cameo and with uh, watermelon and uh, with green, and he's been doing really well. And some of these lakes now, those bass are off the edges. Um, if it's cloudy, it's just amazing with bass. If it's cloudy and you can, hit, you can find them in the weeds in 9 to 11 to 12 feet of water, if it's a clear day and there's no wind, for the most part, you've got to get off the weed edges, get out in that 18 to 20 feet of water, and then that's where you're going to start finding those fish. And uh, we fished a couple lakes to, uh, this week where we were down in 26 to 28 feet of water. That's where some of those bass were. And it takes a lot of patience, especially for people who aren't used to fishing that way, to throw a plastic worm down there and, and let it sit and move it along slowly on the bottom. It takes, it, it takes a little extra skill, a little extra patience. But it does absolutely pay off. And then I think it's fair to say that there's still been some really good crappie bites in the area. I've got a couple friends that are on small lakes here in the Brainerd area. Uh, just before dark, catching lots of crappies just on plastics and small jigs on, right on the weed line, 9 to 12 to 13 feet of water. A lot of them are not big. A lot of them are small. But there's a lot of action. And then <clears throat> the panfish is unbelievable if you're looking for sunfish. You can go on virtually any of our lakes right now and get right off the weed edges or right even in the cabbage. 
and you can throw bait in there, and it won't be long, and you're going to have a school of sunfish. Uh, the, the bigger ones are a little bit deeper, but uh, it's it's just a lot of fun, and they're good-eating little guys. And uh, so there's a lot of panfish action, and that's what you'd expect, I guess, this time of the year with the high water temperatures. And uh, the, the bad news is it's not going to be far away, and it's going to change. A lot of people don't like to go out and sit in the hot sun, and I certainly understand that. But if you do, the bass and the panfish are going pretty well. Walleyes, in general, are you really got to work for them. There you go. That's Ray Gildow, Nisswa Guides League. You can check Ray out at uh, raygildow.com, all over Facebook and social media as well. I appreciate it, buddy. Good stuff, and uh, we'll check in next week, okay? All right. Thank you, Brian. Out to Malax for the report out there. Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service joins us. And, Steve, well, here we go. Uh, we, we've talked about the dog days of summer, and, and I think we're pretty much into the throes of that now. It's going to be a hot one this weekend and into next week. So uh, how, how is that going to affect musky fishing, and, and how has it affected coming off this past week? You know, this past week has remained a little tough. We're, we're, we're there. We're getting some. You know, we're seeing them. But nothing like they should be this time of year. Uh, the water temperature shot back up again. You know, we're getting close to that 80-degree mark in some areas. It's over it. You know, we're seeing a lot of stress stressful fish in northern pike and in muskies i mean you go from the mid 70s to above 80 and then within a week back to the mid 70s you know two three times of that which we've had this month it affects them so i think we're a little slow where we should be this time of year for the big predators and so as we head into this weekend and with with the warmer temps obviously they're going to climb some more uh what should anglers be maybe doing if they're heading out chasing muskies around well, what I would do and what we're doing, Brian, right now is I like to fish the outer edge of the weed beds and the outer edge of the rocks. Muskies are moving out to the rocks this time of year. They've been there for about a month, not a lot, but there's some. Fish the outer edge, get something deep diving or let your spinner bait sink a little bit, you know, and move slow. Don't go too quick, you know. Uh, if that's not uh, approaching what you want to have for success, and then try speeding it up. But definitely fish the outer edge where the water temperature is a little cooler, about 12 to 16, 17 feet down. That might be your ticket. That's what we're going to be doing. It's worked for us in the past. I see no reason why it shouldn't work for us now. Same thing with pike. They're moving out deep. They're on the outer edge of those weeds. If you can find weeds, Brian, in 16 feet of water, you know, let those spinnerbaits sink way down there and wind them in. Or if you're going to troll, get trolling, you know, and slow way down. Then when you get about a mile and a half an hour, speed it up again. This time of year, speed trolling is a good factor. Don't be afraid to speed troll the outer edge of the weeds or cruise into the weeds, you know. Like Vineland Bay, you got a lot of good weeds in 12 feet of water, so we've been hitting that pretty hard, too, with speed trolling. Four to five miles an hour is not too fast for any muskie or northern pike. And I would imagine with walleyes out there, Steve, uh, how are they been doing? Because, uh, you know, these warmer temps, they're not real fans of this either. And, and it's been an odd year. I mean, these a lot of these walleyes have not left the shallow water all season, I'd imagine now with this temps, if you're getting close to 80 degree surface temps where you're at, they're going to start, all of them are going to start venturing deep. You would think so. You know, a lot of them have, but we're still catching them in the shallow bays, you know, 8 to 12 foot of water. We're still picking up walleyes, and they're healthy. They're fat. They're looking good. But we're seeing more and more of them out on the big breaks, you know, the 22 to 28 feet of water. We were bobber fishing a couple of days ago and just had a blast catching them left and right. They were hanging on a 22-foot shelf all day long. So that was fun. Again, early in the morning, Brian, late in the evening is your better bet, you know, for a little bit of shallow water bite. But as the sun starts to rise during mid-morning, move deeper. They're going to hit those secondary and, and third areas, you know, where it goes a little bit deeper. They get away from that sunlight, and the water temperature is a little bit cooler down there. So that's your key element right now for walleye fishing. If you can find jumbo leeches, more power to you. 
But uh, slow death hooks, little spinner bait, and half a neck crawler has been producing real well as also, Brian. Anybody using lead core out there right now, or is it a little early for that? You know, I see a couple guys out there trolling with crankbaits and lead core. You know, that's great. That's fantastic. It works, but you really don't have to. You know, you really don't have to. Just get a spinner bait going, you know, with a bottom bouncer and a night crawler. Or, like I said, use that spinner bait with a slow death hook. You'll have all the walleyes you want. And one last thing, Steve, we always have you keep an eye on the lakes around Mille Lacs for panfish. And uh, that seems to be something that's been consistent really all summer long. It's been surprising. I, I am totally shocked. Some of my favorite panfish, like seven, eight feet of water, the, the sunnies are still hitting. You know, this is up until a week ago. I've, I've heard now, I haven't been out for a good week for the panfish, but I've heard they moved a little bit deeper. You're looking at the 8 to 12 foot range, which is normal this time of year. If you can get out and find yourself some grasshoppers, they're going to work fantastic. A waxworm or a baby leech will work real good also. So there you go, Steve Spaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check Steve out at PredatorGuideService.com. Good luck out on the water, buddy. Stay cool out there, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Hey, my pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll chat with Tony Roach with the Roach's Guide Service. Tony just got back from Montana on a fishing trip, so we'll talk about that. Plus, he's got some walleye tactics that have been working for him. We'll see if maybe they'll work for you when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Nice little treat this week. Uh, we talked to him here a while back. I thought we'd bring him back as we head into the middle of summer now, and that is Tony Roach with Roach's Guide Service. Uh, Tony, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, we, we catch you out on the water. It sounds like things are going pretty good, huh? It's been pretty fun fishing. I uh, really can't complain. I've been to a lot of locations as of late, and uh, you know the fish continue to bite. When that heat and when the water really warmed up, I was getting a little nervous about surface temps getting too high but uh lo and behold like today we're fishing walleyes and smallmouth shallow and we're catching them under 10 feet of water as uh you mentioned you've been all over the place tony we're gonna talk to you about the big icast show that was down in orlando you were down there and uh we'll recap that first or uh here in just a bit but first i wanted to talk about a trip that you had out in montana um that had to have been something fun it was you know um my kids are starting to get a little older and my wife we better you know start taking the family griswold trips while we can <laughs> all our kids still like us and yeah we went out to montana we fished flathead lake and caught lake trout uh, got a bunch of really nice perch out there that's what i was surprised most about you know i had heard about the lake trout fishing but in a couple of these shallow water bays caught a ton of jumbo perch and uh you know of course my son right away he's like let's go back and catch those perch so <laughs> we spent a lot of time doing that but we caught lake trout um of course, drove all over Montana, went to uh, Glacier National Park, and then made our way to Yellowstone. So I did a bunch of research on our way, and I stopped at every stream that I knew that had, like, either catch-and-release regulations or special regs, because I knew that trout fishing would be much better there than, you know, some of the catch-and-keep streams. And we just stop and fish streams and, uh, you know, enjoy the mountains. It's just, just gorgeous out there. The perch, are they very similar to the perch we have here in Minnesota? Yeah, uh, you know, identical. They actually look a lot like Winnebagosh perch because the water is so clear there. They're almost like a green, you know, rather than having that gold. You know, you you take like a Malax perch that's really gold and black versus a Winnebagosh perch is really kind of greenish gold. That's what they remind me of, Just the, but the size was pretty incredible. And you fished them pretty much the same way you'd fish them here, huh? Well, we didn't have any live bait, and I didn't know the rules on live bait, so we just took some tube jigs. Uh, that's kind of all I had. I didn't bring a lot of you know, spinning gear, 
uh, just because I knew we'd be stream trout fishing, and I knew, uh, you know, on Flathead Lake that we were going to be pulling downriggers. So I had some tube jigs, actually, and we just pitched tube jigs into the weeds, and, um, yeah, you just kind of had to keep it away from the boat, and it seemed like, you know, kind of like here, you had to fight off the smaller ones to get to the, to the bigger ones, and, uh, you know, once you found, um, you know, kind of that bigger school of perch that where they, you know, the, the size was there, you got away from the smaller ones. So, you did, you know, really fishing it pretty similar to here. Um, I wouldn't call it cabbage weed, but it was really similar to that. And if you found that kind of standing stock weed like that uh, or vegetation, that's where the big perch were at. And you mentioned with the lake trout, uh, you're basically fishing them, you said, with downriggers. So it's very similar to probably what they're doing out on the Great Lakes, huh? Yeah, you know, it's been warm out there, too. So a lot of the lake trout were down, you know. They weren't, I wasn't trolling right on the bottom. Most of the lake trout we caught out there were in 80 to 100 feet over, let's say, like 200 feet. We actually caught a few even at 40 feet in the morning. Um, but, yeah, real similar to that. Um, out there, again, you know, that even though that water's really, really cold, they've had warm, you know, summers. So a lot of the bays and stuff are, are warm. And, it, you know, in the spring they can catch them shallow, but this time of year, yeah, we're just trolling down riggers and spoons and, and catching them. It was really fun. They look a lot like the lake trout that we have here, too? Yeah, identical. Um, the, the only difference out there is, you know, you catch a lake trout and your pictures in the background are gorgeous because you're staring at mountains. And, uh, you know, it just it was a great experience. And what were the surface water temps out there? You know, that lake is pretty cool, cold. Um, some of the bays were warmed up, I would say, you know, close to 70, you know, in some of those weedy bays where, where I was catching the perch. But you get out to the main lake where it's two, 300 feet deep, and I don't know, surface temps were in the 50s, you know, upper 50s. So Steelhead Lake in Montana, something tells me you're probably going to go back there, Tony. Oh, I'm definitely going back. I mean, there's a lot of bodies of water in Montana that I want to fish. I've, you know, it's, I, I used to hunt out there as a kid with my dad, but um, never really experienced Montana fishing and, uh, you know, being out there for eight days is just not enough time to really even scratch the surface of how great the fishing is out there. Yeah, so that's something for people to check out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the ICAST convention. It was down in Orlando, Florida here not too long ago. You were down there. It's kind of the neat thing about ICAST. It's kind of when they basically trot out a lot of new products going forward. Uh, what did you see down there that caught your eye? Well, it's just cool being down there. You know, every section of the fishing industry is down there, you know, from saltwater to, you know, freshwater to fly fishing to, you know, anything you want to chase in the fishing world is down there, and they all showcase their new products. There's lots of vendors down there. There's anglers from all walks of life, so, you know, professional bass anglers, guides from Minnesota to, you know, uh, saltwater captains from Florida and California. You just you bump into a lot of people, and, uh, you know, obviously the common theme is fishing. And what's cool about ICAST is all the all the companies come out with the new products that are going to be coming out next year, so you get to see a lot of new products. Um, you know, I it's hard to just nail down one thing that really stuck out in my mind because you, you see so much down there. It's, it's not like your average consumer show. It's everybody that, you know, works in the fishing industry that goes down there and um, there's just a lot of cool technologies, uh, especially as it pertains to sonar. Um, that stuff is just mind blowing. Some of the some of the technologies that are going to be coming out over the next few years, and then of course, you know, every year it seems like you know someone's coming up with a, a crazy lure, 
you know that it, it's just a cool experience if, if anybody out there is listening that you know in the fishing industry or curious about iCast uh, I highly recommend going down there to Orlando and seeing it it's, it's really a neat experience if you're an avid angler well and I think one of the cool things too I'm sure there's a lot of networking going on and a lot of sharing of ideas yeah for sure and you know that's why I love fishing all sorts of different locations you know Every time I go saltwater fishing, I'm picking up ideas that I could use at home as far as fine-tuning presentations here, you know, in Minnesota. Uh, same thing when I went out west. You know, I first thing I did is, you know, I'd stop at some of the fly shops and talk to some of the local anglers because, you know, getting that feedback and, 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 you know, figuring out exactly what they're doing on their home water. And I can't tell you how many times I've picked up an idea and brought it back here, you know, whether it be uh, rigging live bait just a different way or... Um, not tying, to, you know, you name it. So ICAST is no different. You know, you get down there, and um, it's kind of this microcosm of anglers that are just excited about fishing and excited about all the new products that are out, and it's a it's a really fun time. Yeah, so that's something for anglers to check out, and it's always in Orlando, right? Yeah, they used to flip-flop back and forth between Vegas and Orlando, but now it's been at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, I believe, for the last four years, and uh, next year for sure it'll be in Orlando and um, yeah if people are interested they can check it out it's so, more industry related it's not necessarily a consumer show but you know if anybody's in the industry or you know knows somebody in the industry or you know owns a tackle shop I mean it's open to people like that you can pay to, to to attend so something else to check out what do you have coming up going forward Tony where are you traveling some more or are you going to hang out here locally here for a little while I'm back in Minnesota for a little while and uh, you know, I'm heading to Canada. My son's uh, 10 years old this year, and he's never been up to Canada, so we're going to head up there in a few weeks. I uh, can't wait to get him up there. You know, I remember my first time in Canada, and it's just—it's it's a fun time, you know, as, as a parent and seeing my kids grow up hunting and fishing and getting to experience all these things. You know, we were out in Montana, now we're going to, to Canada. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But I've been fishing around home and. Uh, like I said, since I've come back and we're fishing shallow, we're catching them shallow. Uh, life is good. Do, are you doing anything special presentation-wise, Tony? You know, um, right now, uh, you know, like today we're fishing on Malax Lake, and a lot of the fish are, are shallow because the crayfish are molting. And uh, I know there's a lot of anglers out trolling lead core out in the basin for walleyes, and you can certainly do that and catch them. Um, uh, you know, especially when water temps are warm, I like to fish shallow. Uh, for, for one reason, I, I, I don't want to hurt the fish out here, especially on Malax. So I just been throwing jerk baits, crank baits shallow, also trolling spinners, um, uh, you know, just over the tops of the rocks. You can use either bottom bouncer or either or worm weight, just troll fast at like one, two to one, four miles an hour and, uh, get it out behind the boat about 50 feet. And, you know, they're hitting it pretty good. You know, we're kind of doing a combo here today. We're catching walleyes and, and smallmouth. We'll troll for the walleyes, and then we'll come back through and cast with the jerk baits. And, and I love casting crankbaits when the crayfish are molting. It's a fun way to not only catch smallmouth, but you catch walleyes. And, it, you know, you talk about crossover products. I throw a lot of bass crankbaits for walleyes, you know, like DT6s, which, you know, Rapala makes that's traditionally thought of as a, as a bass crankbait. I love throwing those in the shallows for walleyes this time of year, especially when it's warm, because they have that really fast wobble that just drives fish crazy plus it looks exactly like a crayfish and just to give you an idea right before we went on air tony was telling me about this really nice bass that he had just caught so having some success out there too yeah it's been fun i um 
you know, I've been here uh, since I've been back. Uh, you know, I've been over on Gull, I've been up on Winnie, and it seems like the fish are really biting everywhere right now. So it's a, it's a good thing for folks to get out there and, and enjoy it. You know, pretty soon we're going to be uh, staring down winter, so you got to take advantage of this last few summer weekends that we have. That's for sure. Yeah, and then winter will be here before you know it, as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, Tony Roach, <laughs> Roach's Guide Service. Tony, if people want more information on you, uh, how can they get it? Go to Roach'sGuideService.com. Um, you know, check out, check me out on Facebook website or, uh, give me a ring. There you go. Tony, I appreciate you taking the time. I'll let you get back to fishing and, uh, we'll check in here real soon. Okay. All right, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Good luck fishing. All right. When we come back, we'll switch gears to deer hunting. Eric Thorson with the Minnesota DNR will drop by. The new deer regs are out. He'll share that when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And obviously we've been talking a lot of fishing on the show, but we are not that far away from deer hunting. And obviously the uh, the archery opener is going to be opening up here in about a month or so. So I thought we'd uh, bring in Eric Thorson. Eric is the acting big game program leader with the Minnesota DNR to talk a little deer hunting with us. How you doing, Eric? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. I know you're getting to be uh, kind of the busy season for you. And uh, like I said in the open, it's hard to believe that deer season's right around the corner. Yes, you know, a lot of people are, are checking their, their trail cameras and, and starting to think about uh, their fall hunting plans um, this time of year. And our regulation handbook just came out with announcing our deer season. So um, it's time to start thinking about fall and, and all the deer season opportunities that we have here in Minnesota. Yeah, and we're going to talk, uh, give you an idea of what we're going to talk to Eric about today. We're going to get into some of the uh, special hunts that are going on, also some, some of the issues that are lingering with CWD that may affect us as we head into the season, as well as uh, some chances for you to put your input on how uh, management of deer is, is done here in Minnesota. But I guess first off, Eric, we'll talk about some of the regulation changes, and we'll start, we'll get into the, the whole state, but we'll get start right here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Anything change? Yeah, um, you know, certainly we continue to see deer populations recover. I know we had a, a bit more winter last year, especially, you know, a fairly prolonged winter into the spring, but um, we don't think it had a whole um, large effect on the, on the deer population, so we're continuing to kind of liberalize the deer hunting regulations and, and allowing, um, you know, more bonus permits to be used to try to control populations. Um, and so in the Brainerd Lakes area, a number of the permit areas in that region seem to be at our population goals or, or, or slightly above, um, and so we're trying to bring um, deer populations down a bit uh, through hunter harvest, um, so there is more opportunities available for, for deer hunters in, in that region um, this coming fall. And I don't have it in front of me, but here in the Brainerd area, there are a couple of different zones. Is, is everything hunter's choice here, or is it either or? Um, it, there, there's quite a variety. It goes from, um, you know, a lottery, you know, not too far from, from Brainerd to the north and, and east, um, but a lot of hunter's choice areas, which are um, either sex deer are allowed. Um, you don't need to apply in the lottery for an analyst permit. Um, but also there's some uh, managed permit areas um, where it's a two-deer bag limit and also even some intensive permit areas where there's a three-deer bag limit where the deer populations are, are above goal. So we're right about, you know, you're kind of thinking here and we're, we're doing okay, and, and I, I think some people are kind of wondering how you guys go about determining what that area is going to go and, and how you're going to you know set the regulations for it. What goes into making that decision, Eric? Um, first of all, we start with our population goals that were set, and we had a large goal-setting effort um, in central Minnesota in, in 2015, you know, where we had um, stakeholders um, met and, and discussed about, you know, where they want the deer population to go um, relative to the current population. You know, we took public input and set those new population goals on a, on a deer permit area basis. And so we're trying to, to get close to those um, deer population numbers, um, 
for each deer permit area um, across the state. And, uh, and so we use that information um, as well as our hunter harvested information. So we have mandatory registration in the state. So, you know, every hunter needs to re- report the deer that they harvest, and that's a really important piece of information that we put into our population model in addition to the winter severity, which is the other main driver of deer populations here in, in northern Minnesota. So when we have severe winters, we have more deer mortality. Um, and so that's all factored into our population model, um, and that uh, generates a, a deer estimate um, in the spring, so a pre-fawn estimate. Um, so wildlife managers meet and, and um, look at that number and see where it is relative to goal, um, take in a- anecdotal information, what they heard from hunters, what they're hearing from farmers, landowners, that type of thing, um, and then set the, the management designation to, to try to move that population towards goal. Um, and so generally we're more restrictive with uh, regulations when we want to grow the white-tailed deer population in a particular area and more liberal when we would try to, want to try to reduce it towards goal. All right, and we are still doing uh, some CWD testing here in Crow Wing County? That's correct. It's going to be a, a, a more focused effort. Um, you know, we did have uh, that uh, game farm positive um, CWD farm in Crow Wing County, and so we had a large um, surveillance effort testing hunter harvested deer last fall. Um, this year we'll be just testing deer in permit areas 242 and 247, um, kind of the immediate vicinity around that, that game farm. And, uh, and that will be required of, of firearms hunters um, that take deer the first two days of the, of the regular firearm season. So that won't be archery or muzzleloader at all? No, no. So there you go. We'll, we'll get sufficient samples in those first two days of the, of the firearm season. And that was one of the things coming out of last year. I know when we talked to Luke Cornicelli, he was so proud of the hunters and how well they, they, they cooperated in doing all that testing and, and were very patient. He said the lines moved really well. So hopefully that will be a, the case again this year. Yeah, we had, had great support and participation from hunters, especially in, in north central Minnesota. You know, deer hunting is really important tradition to them, and they want to keep our wild deer healthy, and so they were very supportive. I know I worked at the check station in Motley, you know, just to the west of Brainerd there, and, you know, had uh, very patient hunters, and, and they brought their deer in and, and were very interested and concerned about the disease. And, and we got uh, all negative test results um, in the area for from last year, so that's good news, but the disease does take a while to incubate, so that's why we're planning at least two more years of testing, Um, but um, um, good news initially. So there you have it here in the uh, immediate Brainerd Lakes area and kind of that north-central part of the state. As we kind of drift uh, statewide, Eric, uh, anything changed up in the northern part of the state? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a a mixed bag. You know, in the far northeastern Minnesota, they certainly had more winter um, this past year, which did have an effect on on some uh, deer populations up there, and they're still recovering from those hard back-to-back winters here a few years ago. Um, and so it's a little bit more restrictive regulations there. There's more lottery areas, and you even have a Bucks Only um, up by International Falls, a Bucks Only permit area. Um, and then you go to the northwest part of the state, and there we have, um, you know, kind of rebounding um, deer populations there, and um, really want to kind of move populations back down. Um, and so we have quite a few intensive permit areas um, that we have um, available this year and a lot of public land up in northwestern Minnesota. Folks are looking for some um, different opportunities. Um, they'll be um, be in place up in northwestern Minnesota this year. Southern part of the state, uh, things are a little bit trickier down there. You've got some e- issues down in the southeastern part of the state, but all in all, I think a hunter should be in pretty good shape there too. Yep, you know, we certainly have uh, real healthy deer populations in the southeast. We, you know, certainly have concerns with uh, CWD, especially in the wild deer and permit area 603. So we um, have liberal seasons in and around um, that permit area, trying to get deer densities down and and, and sample additional deer and hopefully um, remove the, get the disease out of the wild population. Um, but um, overall, real healthy deer population in southeastern Minnesota and, and more liberal regulations down there. Southwestern Minnesota, uh, kind of more egg country. Um, you know, there's not as much habitat um, down there, so some populations are having a little tougher time recovering, and so uh, most of those permit areas in southwestern Minnesota are still kind of in the lottery status.
Talking with Eric Thorson, he's the acting big game program leader for the Minnesota DNR, and uh, talking a little bit about the deer season coming up and uh, some special hunts that are coming up too. You guys have got uh, obviously the Camp Ripley thing. Uh, you got some youth hunts coming up. There are some deadlines though to get registered for those. That's correct. Um, yep, uh, next Friday, August seventeenth, uh, is a deadline to register for well, one of the two regular Camp Ripley archery hunts or any youth. Uh, um, hunting opportunities around the state. You can see uh, information online um, at mndnr.gov, and you can um, look for youth deer hunting opportunities or at a deer hunting webpage. Also, we have regular um, special hunts for firearms, archery, and muzzleloader that are, are advertised, too, in a regulations handbook, which has just uh, um, got printed and is being distributed, so it should be available at licensed vendors um, statewide here and at area offices. Um, and so the deadline to apply for those regular like state park hunts and those type of things is uh, September 6th, which is the same time um, that uh, the deadline for the antlerless um, permits um, for lottery areas um, in the state. So keep those dates in mind. Uh, something else you guys are doing with the DNR, Eric, is uh, you're, you're kind of hitting uh, some of the areas and, and having some public meetings with some of the local DNR people, and you're asking hunters to come out and uh, give their input as well. Uh, those are coming up all across the state right now. That's correct. Yep, we're um, getting those scheduled, and we'll probably getting information out uh, here in the next week or so um, about those um, meetings, and that's an opportunity for folks to, to meet with local wildlife managers um, to talk about deer management issues. And this is kind of an outcome of our um, statewide deer management plan that we just finalized here a couple weeks ago. Um, and so we're just trying to um, do a better job um, communicating with, with hunters and, and stakeholders statewide and getting information from them and presenting information to them about, you know, why we set the regulations um, like we did for this upcoming season, you know, get input from them, hear about deer management issues, um, that type of thing. So a good opportunity to kind of meet your local wildlife manager and, and talk about deer. And one last thing, Eric, before we let you go, that you guys have really kind of improved on it, really I think is going to help hunters a lot too, and that's the DNR website. Uh, there's a lot of great information. There's an interactive uh, map there now that I think is really interesting that permit mapping tool that you guys have uh, that's going to come in handy this year yes that's a really a great tool and, and something that i think all hunters should, should check out um so you can go there and click on a particular permit area that you hunt and there'll be three options there there'll be uh, regulations but then there'll be a detail report which is like a one page um, kind of pdf document that provides all kinds of great information on um, harvest history hunting land you know and some manager reports about that deer permit area, so a lot of good information um, describing the area. And then also this year that's new is we have a, a more detailed um, map of the, the permit area that's available as a one-page PDF there as well. And uh, we also have uh, our uh, 2017 deer harvest report, which has got kind of the draw odds um, for the different lotteries that we had for uh, special hunts and, and for the lottery permit areas from last year too, so people can check that out before they apply. And uh, so lots of great information on our, on our DNR website. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that on our website as well. So uh, just go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com and just look for uh, Minnesota DNR regulations and uh, click on that, and we'll have all that information for you as well. Uh, Eric, it's great to talk to you. I, I know it's kind of interesting. I was happy to see these regulations come out and uh, because it seems like to me this summer I've been talking to a lot of people and I'm like, I just haven't seen many deer. And people were worried about that, you know, lingering winter that we had into spring and what what that would do but i I think all in all we're in pretty good shape yep and you know we can certainly you know if the winter has more effects than than we thought it does we can certainly make adjustments um um, 
for next year or the, or the year after. Um, deer are pretty pretty resilient and are able to bounce back pretty quickly. So um, we're just making our, our best assessment on, on uh, what we need to do to control the, the deer population around the state and, and looking forward to a good season this fall. That's for sure. Eric Thorson, he is the acting big game program leader for the Minnesota DNR, and I'm sure we'll be talking to Eric a few times leading up to the uh, deer opener and obviously our deer opener special. We'll have him on for that too. Eric, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and uh, good luck. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Time for our Hungry Hunter segment. Chef Joel with Black Bear Lodge and Saloon is back with us this week. And another great venison recipe, Joel. And this one, a venison burger with bacon jam. That's right, bacon jam. It's awesome. It's uh, pretty. It's really simple. I just learned to make it, and so I thought it was a great opportunity to share it with you. So we're going to take uh, you know, a pound, two pounds of venison, however big you like to make your, your burgers. We're going to make four burgers. So we'll patty those up. And we'll set those aside. We're going to take uh, some cooked bacon and some yellow onions. And we're going to saute those up together, kind of release some of that, that grease inside of the bacon and get that into the onions. Cook those onions down nice and caramelized. We're going to add in a little bit of uh, balsamic vinegar and brown sugar. I'm just going to cook that all together, let that vinegar kind of reduce in, and that, that sugar will, will crystallize and, and help that onions all caramelize together. We can go one step further, toss all that into the, into the uh, food processor, Chop it up, give it a nice smooth consistency. So now we got the bacon jam made up. We'll start grilling our burgers. You know, you can either do them on the grill or in a nice cast iron pan, whichever way you go. You know, nice medium rare, medium on the burgers. We'll top it with a little bit of the bacon jam, a little bit of Swiss cheese. Let that get all melty and delicious. Throw them on some hamburger buns. Sounds fantastic. Now you mentioned you just learned how to make this. Where does something like this come from? Is this something from the south, the east, west, midwest? I have somebody, no idea. Somebody it was, came up with it in their backyard. It was one of the cooks that I had just brought back, and he taught me how to make it. It was nice. pretty exciting. Well, it sounds fantastic. And I would imagine people didn't have any venison burger around, just use regular burgers. Regular burgers is just fine. There you go. Give it a try. Venison burger with bacon jam. You can head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab, that one, and a ton of others there for you to try. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter, 371 North. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, or if you just stumbled upon us, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just uh, after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, Monday mornings at 5. You can also stream the show live if you're away from your radio or out of town. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you'll find the live stream. Just click on the Listen Live tab. If you miss some of the show or want to relive some of it, many ways you can listen to it on demand. Uh, we have the uh, on-demand capabilities right at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Right at the bottom of the homepage, and we are podcastable throughout all of the podcast networks, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors. Just uh, give us a nice rate and review. We'd appreciate that. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vernal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, s and 
BMW Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.